Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Enlightened Hood podcast. My name is Lena Lemos, your host, and I am so very grateful that you're here. For the first episode, I wanted to highlight the amazing Michelle Sloat. Michelle is a wife, mother, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. She's a certified herbalist, owns her own body and skincare company, and she's a coach for female entrepreneurs who want to run passion-driven businesses. I wanted to highlight Michelle as the first episode for this podcast because she is truly the mama that I envisioned when creating the Enlightened Hood platform. So I really hope that you enjoy our conversation and pull some inspiration from what she has to say. So Michelle, I am so excited to have you as our first Enlightened Hood guest. You uh, really inspire me. I was thinking about how I was going to introduce you yesterday. I was almost thinking like you're what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> you kind of been on this journey that I've also been on, but you're a little further along and I just oh. look at where you are and I'm like, oh goodness, I'm so excited for everything that's to come. And one thing that I really love about mindfulness and the whole mindfulness journey is that we all have our why. And I think yours especially is extremely relatable. So could you just, I'm just going to dive right in. And could you tell me why you turned to mindfulness and how you started implementing it in your life? Of course. Well, it was definitely after motherhood, I took it more seriously because I have two businesses, I have two kids, and that's the recipe for burnout if you're not, Mm -hmm. you know, focused on your mindfulness journey. So in the beginning, I wasn't. And I ignored it and hit burnout very, very fast. You know, the adrenal fatigue, the skin that was, you know... It, it wasn't bright. I didn't glow. I wanted to, and I had this skincare business that I still have, and I wasn't, my own skin was dull from burnout, from running the business. <laughs> and so consequently, I would look at myself and I would be like, how am I going to scale what I'm doing? How am I going to continue serving the world, my family, what I'm trying to do if my cup is not full? And it sounds so cliche, but it it really is true. And there's, I think it's such a good thing to be an example for our children that the importance of filling up our cup so that they can go on and do that in their lives. And it's just we need to realize how important, what an important role we play in that for that, for them. So that was the turning point. It was the burnout. It was the, as they say, the insane hustle grind turning point of like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I will give up my businesses before I do this to myself and especially in front of my children. I'm not doing this. And then I realized that didn't have to happen. I didn't have to give up my passions. I didn't have to give up, you know, things that I wanted to do. I, all I had to do was focus on my personal development journey through mindfulness. And then ever since then, of course, 
you know, I still struggle with like making myself align back with <laughs> that every day. But ever since then, things have just taken off, like keeping that balance of the feminine masculine flow, you know? Yeah. So when you decided you really wanted to start committing to this and you wanted to show up and do it for your kids and have your cup full, mm-hmm. was, was there criticism from other people in your life? Did they start looking at you like you might be a little crazy or that? Oh yeah. Almost like a selfish thing. Uh huh. Definitely. Oh yeah. I mean, I had family members cause I would speak openly about how this mindfulness journey has transformed my life. And then I intertwined it in the message, the, my brand message for my businesses. And I'm like, I was talking about it all over the place and my family, my aunts and uncles, my husband to a certain extent, you know, all these things that were like, you can't just sit around and meditate in the morning. You got to get up and you got to, you've got to go. That's selfish. And that is, um, not taking care of your children. I remember, I think we, we face a lot of mom guilt Mm -hmm. because as, as women, we're such givers and then as mothers, we're nurturers. So nurturing givers are like, there's no flow of, um, I look at mindfulness as the facilitator to a circle of giving and receiving. And it's literally the, you have to keep that flow going. And when we, when we truly tap into the possibility of what mindfulness can do for us, we become much better mothers, much better nurturers and givers. But, um, I think at the beginning, I remember asking my husband for like 15 minutes in the morning, can you just take the boys, you know, get your coffee and just, just you know, I just need 15 minutes to figure out what this is all about. I I met this, who's now my spiritual mentor. I met her online and she gave me some morning routines and I was like, Oh, I've got to do this. And she, she said, you know, you've got to just have a quiet time in the morning. And at this point I wasn't waking up at six in the morning. Now I am because this didn't work out before mm-hmm. my husband, but I was like, I need you to just take them for 15 minutes in the morning. And he's like, who has time for that? You know, all the backlash in the world, you know, mm-hmm. and that's selfish. And pretty much it was the equivalent of you're not a good mother unless you wake up and you, the second you wake up, you're, you know, in it. Yeah. And I think when we shift our belief around that, we become much more, capable mentally and physically to be a good mother. <laughs> yeah. I love what you said about flow because I feel like there's such a stigma around meditation that you, yeah. the people who don't practice it or aren't really familiar with how it's transformed over centuries is that meditation is you sit until you can get your mind to be completely blank and the whole world stops. And so I love what you said about the flow, because really when you do incorporate that practice, it, it really makes such a difference into the flow of your entire day and the way that you can ease into the present moment. Yeah. So I love that you used it that way. (laughs) That's just, I'm a very visual person. I like to think of it as like energy flowing and like a circle, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So you mentioned meditation. So what are Mm. some of your daily rituals that you have right now? Oh gosh. I mean, it, I keep it pretty simple, but sometimes it can get like very, very, um, you know, I I can expand on it. So really what I do in the morning is like my non-negotiables are meditation, visualization, and then moving my body, whether it's a full workout or whether it's a stretch. So really what that, the amount of time that takes is probably 20 minutes to half an hour. And meditation is usually from Dr. Erin, my um, spiritual mentor. She's a doctor of divinity and she is um, a new thought leader and she is the mindfulness guru. <laughs> so if anybody wants to check her out, it's, I think it's Dr. Evan, Dr. Erin TV is her website, but she's amazing. She's got a membership site, all this stuff. It's absolutely incredible. But so I always do one of her meditations and then I actually have recorded my own visualization. And I do this for my clients because it's, it's a very personalized thing. It's very much like what, what does your life need want to look like? And then as things come up that you have resistance to, then you incorporate that into your visualization. Like for example, mine is, um, my husband didn't, you know, support me as, as a resistance, you know, it's like, I wake up in the morning and this is a part of my visualization. I wake up in the morning and I get a text from my husband. He's at work and he's just saying he's so proud of me. And then I move on and I see a payment notification. Like that is my visualization that I've recorded for myself. So it's very personalized. And I do that for my clients as well, because it generalized visualizations are good, but personalized ones are where your subconscious mind really starts Mm -hmm. to shift. And then moving my body, I drink, uh, my coffee. I drink my, um, sometimes I do like matcha lattes and stuff, but sometimes that's a little wishful. (laughs) I, um, usually it's just plain old coffee and then I just move. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to know your take on this because I've heard it both ways and I I just want an opinion on it. So I've heard it both ways that when you're doing visualizations, I've heard some people say you're supposed to visualize yourself in the third person doing it. And then others say, no, you should be like your point of view. Oh yeah. I definitely recommend, um, visualize yourself right there. Like as if you were to look down and you would see yourself. And like, I always say to my clients, what clothes are you wearing? And what do you want to embody in while you're wearing those clothes? And you look down and you, as you would right now, and you would see those clothes on you. So definitely not, don't view yourself as, you know, third person, view yourself as where you're at now yourself. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Yeah. So last week when I when we were talking about enlightenment, I was sharing the main message with you. Mm-hmm. It was like your voice lit up. If that is even a thing, when we were talking about like <laughs> yeah. how amazing it is when parents implement mindfulness into their parenting. So oh, yeah. once you've gotten this flow and this practice down, how has it changed you as a parent? Oh goodness. I mean, there has been so many things that have changed when, 
when I'm implementing this, I know that I have this quote that I always remind myself of whenever I get too busy um, to encourage my son, he's three, to um, meditate. And um, I'm beginning the visualization process for him as well. But there's a quote, I think it was Dalai Lama, and he said, if every eight-year-old meditated, in this generation, we would eliminate violence by either the next generation or the following. But whether or not it's this one or the next, like that is so powerful. And so he knows the power of what meditation can do for the frustration that's in children. Mm -hmm. And when they see us go, go, go busy, no, 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 I don't have time. I can't look them in the eye because I'm too busy with making breakfast or prepping the lunches or all these things. I think that was another point, turning point for me was like, I can't even look at him and hear what he has to say because like, I'm literally getting emotional because that was my, um, my turning point. I'm like, no, I'm not, I will not do this anymore. So that was like a whole other thing. I think that that really hit me hard, but um, yeah, for what it's done for like the parenting journey, my son, he used to have, um, anger issues that stemmed from me getting frustrated and not having time to read to him and do the regular things that mothers and fathers are supposed to do. <laughs> and, um, I, I think he saw me in the morning at the beginning of the mindfulness journey. He was one when this began, he saw me in the beginning and he's like, what are you doing? You know, he would come over and he would, you know, they want to get up in your business. So he was like, I want to, you know, my earbuds and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, whatever, this might be good for him. And then over time, over the past two years, it hasn't been consistent every day, but it has been at least three times a week. He has listened to meditations with me in the morning. And he, I mean, he literally told me the other day, mama, I am abundant. Oh my God. And I was like, like what three-year-olds? <laughs> I am not kidding. I have people who can vouch for me for that. I'm like, <laughs> say it again. And I got her a video of it. <laughs> I'm like, so it shows, it really does get in their minds because their subconscious mind is open till they're seven. And now they're saying that it extends to 12. Wow. And I'm like, and I'm responsible. I'm a major part of that responsibility to shape that through my habits. And I'm just, I'm super grateful that I know this now. And he's not like, 40 years old. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, should have done that. So <laughs> that's amazing. So yeah, I think I know as, so my daughter's five weeks old. I, I even noticed that oh. I, I'm trying to do the same as you where I'm implementing it now. And I even have to notice myself self-correcting for really simple things. Like as when little babies are feeding and they're looking at you with their big eyes and it's such yeah. a bonding experience. And I, at times I'm sitting home alone. It's a morning I'm sleepy and I want to scroll through Instagram. And I'm like, no, I, I, and it's really that, that, 
acknowledgement that I wanted to do it. I'm not going to do it. Why I'm not going to do it and self-correcting each time until it becomes a point where it's really just such a connection we have that it's not even a thought in my mind. Yeah. So I guess my real question for you is when you began doing this, what were those little steps you took to implement it into your kids' lives where now your three-year-old is saying I'm abundant? Oh, yeah. Definitely the meditation. If they are asking to listen to the meditation, this is obviously a, not a five-week-old, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a one-year-old will start pulling at your, you know, earphones. So I just let him listen. And there's, I think there's the power of breath work as well. That's a whole other topic. but. There's so many tutorials on YouTube that you can look up child breath work to do, like to do with your children. And that was another thing that really helped. I'm starting it with my 18 month old. He's, <laughs> he's a wild one, but I really, with my three year old, I have him sit there, you know, with the meditations, have him sit there and we do the breath work and he, loves it. He loves the breath of fire. He loves the the dragon one, whatever. He's like, fine. He's, what did he say the other day? He's like, I need a tiger breath. That's what he said. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I will find one for you. But you know, he, he really loves that. So that's another thing that as they get older is a really cool thing to see them change their energy through breath work. Um, and then meditation, I mean, that shapes their subconscious. And then visualization will shape their subconscious. I mean, wouldn't that just be like the best thing to know that your 20-year-old is now living out their fullest potential Mm -hmm. and their truth based off the things you've implemented in their life? Like, that's really every time I think, oh, no, I'm too busy for that. Like, he he just needs to go watch his show and I'm I'm not going to do that. Like, with him this morning, every time... I think that I think no, my twenty-year-old James. What is he going to be like? And I'm like, I I want to make sure that that he is the closest to that, and I I'll be responsible for that. I love that, and yeah. I think it truly is powerful because I think being part of the millennial generation. I mean, we have been attributed with being self-starters and really a generation yeah. that knows our truth, but. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I still feel like there's so many of us who are still afraid to live our truth and yeah. accept yeah. the power of the universe. I mean, I it's funny you say how you've been doing this with your three-year-old because I've been doing the same with my 30-year-old husband who <laughs> he still won't like be confidently oh, yeah. abundant and the uh-huh. mindset that has been ingrained that if you don't make money through business or a finance job, like you're, you have no worth. And I, I just love so much thinking that yeah, you almost have to start it at such a young age that that yeah. is their truth. And it it's so much harder discovering it much later in life. It is. And I, it's funny that you say that because I always think about their, their wives and I'm like, I bet they'll be, they'll be a lot further on, like, cause they'll obviously attract a woman who will recognize that. And it's like, wow, okay. Like it's going to help them along as well in their lives. You know, if my boys are set up 
in success because another thing with relate this is off topic, but another thing with relationships is we project all of our um, inner stuff onto uh, the people in our relationships. So I wouldn't want that for their partners for sure. (laughs) Now I'm just so excited to watch them grow up and I just need to know how their life unravels. (laughs) Mm. I know, I know. Like I want to see them as 25 and and I know it's, it's very neat to um, just take them one step at a time, but then like you'll see it. And I'm so grateful that you're beginning at five weeks. I wish I had done that, honestly, because I was, terrible for the first year I was terrible at the scrolling my social media no meditation all right you know he's finished nursing like put him down let me go do my thing like I gotta go 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 and I I regret that first year um very much that I did that but you know and you know something almost clicked with me and it was really premature mom guilt because when I found Um, out I was pregnant I was on this wobbly mindfulness journey I had a meditation practice it wasn't necessarily anything that was routine I had a spiritual mentor and you know I was dabbling in it but it was almost the idea of I'll start doing this regularly when blank and I kept telling myself that and then once I found out I was pregnant and I said how can I be a great mother if I'm not even going to commit to my true self and I'm not going to show up for myself. So, you know, that really sparked just this movement within me and which eventually kind of blossomed into this whole enlightenment platform. But Mm -hmm. that was really, I have to practice what I preach. And I was like, and I was almost scared that, I mean, we've grown up in the age of social media toxicity and Mm -hmm. just, it's so easy to feel so lost and not as connected with yourself because you're instantly watching everyone else's life unfold on social media. And I, I thought to myself, what can I start doing today that is already that I already have where I can really just transform that and almost create this a concrete foundation and be this almost security blanket to ensure that I'm going to be the best mother possible. And I can raise the strongest girl possible. Who's going to know her true self because I was raised that way and I was worried. I'm like, how do I even do this? I love that so much. I love that you had that awareness pregnant. That is absolutely amazing because she would feel that even when you were pregnant with her she mm-hmm. would feel that that you have that awareness and that is I think people don't take that as seriously as um they do when the the child has been born because they're like well you know they're connected but like they don't realize the power of their thoughts their energy that's one of the most powerful times that we can influence yeah. their subconscious mind Yeah. And I didn't have an easy pregnancy by any means. I had the most terrible morning sickness for forever. I could barely Mm -hmm. eat or walk. I had to go get IVs. And, you know, now that I'm reflecting back on it, I'm almost like thinking that 
my subconscious was almost purging itself. Like I was getting rid of all this baggage and these self-limiting beliefs that were just almost manifesting themselves in like literal vomit. Wow. That's an interesting thought. And Mm -hmm. thinking of it that way, I was like, okay, I could do this again. That's completely endurable. And now that she's here and seeing her and getting to see her face and her mm. little arm flails and all the facial expressions, <laughs> I'm like, okay, it was completely <laughs> worth it. Yes. Oh, I remember that time. I like they <laughs> they jump and they're like they look at you with those big eyes. What happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Just in that stage, do I have the app no. Wonder Weeks? I don't know if you've ever. Heard oh of yeah. That. I have the book too. Yeah. I love the app. Oh my gosh. She's going through her first, uh, developmental little leap right now, which is the sensory one. Yes. yes. Yep. Where sights, sound, noises, smells. So before we, my dog is a very emotional kind of guy and, uh, (laughs) he likes to to speak his truth and some things. So we were like, okay, she's heard him bark endlessly while in utero. So, <laughs> when she yep. was born, it did not. She did not flinch at all. It was just like, okay, this, oh, that's I've so heard funny. This before, but it's it's funny now that she's going through this next change, the uh, the, the jump that happens. Yes, I know. <laughs> we're, we're at my parents' house right now, and they have a lot of very loud clocks that all chime at the same time, oh. and that, that same like jump. And she jumps, oh. <laughs> little thing, poor baby. That's so funny. Funny. Yeah, like that. Oh, that's really funny. I we have um, my mother dog sits, and whenever we go over there, she has like eight dogs, mm-hmm. and they're usually huge. And my little guy, eighteen month old, he will just go through the kitchen. This little baby head will be bobbing up ahead, up on top of these, you know, the sea of dogs in the, in the kitchen. And I'm like, and he puts his head on their head and he's like, it's almost like he communicates. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's very sweet. And I think as, as you encourage the mindfulness journey with your children, you'll see their spiritual gifts emerge quicker. Yes. Um, I feel like that's happened much more because I, my first boy was kind of like my spiritual journey, mm-hmm. uh, trial run with a child, you know? <laughs> and then now that I have that down with him, my one-year-old is like a, a year ahead because, you know, and his spiritual gifts are coming out and I feel like his is like communication with animals or something. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I got that later in life because my mm-hmm. parents were never really animal people. Okay. And then I grew up and I was like, I can't deny the fact anymore that I love animals so much that I could probably cry about it. Oh, yes. <laughs> and you know, too. my dog was almost that spiritual journey for me at first because he was a rescue and he oh, had yeah. a lot of baggage. He mm-hmm. had very bad anxiety. He had very bad separation issues and just the patience and the time that it took to really help him come out of his shell. I mean, he, we still have this whole routine we have to go through to leave the house to make sure he doesn't have a panic attack. Oh my goodness. Later, but, wow. he, but he really has almost been that catalyst to the spiritual journey and the mindfulness as well, because even though he's not a child, he's still just his presence and his emotions just had such a tremendous effect on us and our journey as being dog parents. I think it set us up really well to be human parents. Definitely. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a good, um, 
thing to do before having children for sure, especially a rescue because you never know what you're going to run into kind of like having children. You're like, Oh, (laughs) I didn't know I was going to have to deal with this. And then you (laughs) figure it out. And, um, it's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I know like dogs and and animals are such spiritual beings and they're like, they're such good examples of resiliency, even though like past owners can really mess them up. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, we, we always have rescues. <laughs> They're the best. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I love so much about mindfulness, and of course I created this whole movement around it. So I obviously love a lot of things about it, but it yeah. has this ability to transform not only your external reality, but internally mm-hmm. as well. Oh, so yes. What I mean, we could go on all day about this, I'm sure. But what have you learned throughout this journey from when you started to this very moment? Oh, wow. I could talk about that for a while. Um, Really, it's like... A whole other episode. I know. We'll have part two or (laughs) ten. I feel like the most important thing I can say about that is of course, you know, power to transform reality, subconscious reprogramming, all that. But that when you're going through some really hard things in your life and you're able to realize the power of choice and you get to choose how you're going to view yourself after that negative thing happened, You get to choose because mindfulness is all about discovering your truth. And when you discover your truth, you're like, wait, actually that is, I am abundant. I am intelligent. I am prosperous. I am healthy. And when all these outside negative things happen that will try and prove that truth wrong, you're able to either choose, ah, well, that's just what that person said. So that's my identity. And there we go. Or you get to take that empowered choice of saying, no, I reject that. I replace it. And I'm going, I have this thing and it's <clears throat> reject, replace, rejoice. <laughs> oh, I like that. And it's literally the thing that has like taken me through being able to have that that, that interim in between when you have that negative thing happen and when you have, when you're now that person that has come through that negative thing and you're like, you actually declaim your truth and it manifested in your reality. It's like, what, what is the bridge between the two things? Cause I'm that type of person that I'm like, that sounds great, but tell me how to do it. Like, give me a one, two, three step system. And that is the step. It's what is the negative thing? Reject it what do you, you can't just reject it and leave a void because the universe will fill a void, the law of vacuum. So what is your, what are you going to replace it with? What is your new belief about yourself? What is, and then of course, if you need help believing it, find proof, um, in your life. So whether it's, you want to feel abundant, you have $20 in your purse. Fantastic. You're abundant. You have a healthy child. Fantastic. You're abundant. It's not all about money. um, So replace and then rejoice. Know that it has happened. Know that it is true. So be it. And so it is whatever the confirmation phrase that you use and just rejoice in the fact that you, you have it already. It's yours. So that's the system to bridge you from negative experience to the woman that believes her truth. 
I love that so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very powerful. And it's so boiled down that it doesn't seem scary. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful. Mm-hmm. That's one of the hardest things I feel in terms of what's preventing people from really showing up and acknowledging these things is thinking it has to be some huge spiritual transformation that's going to... Yeah. It's overwhelming. It, I think when we listen to... I think this is where I was at the beginning of my, my mindfulness journey. I was very... I was Googling everything. I was signing up for all the freebies and workshops and webinars. And mm-hmm. this is similar to like, if you're in business, you're like everything, all of a sudden Facebook ads will get a hold of you yeah. and you're like, Oh, yeah. I need to sign up for that. And this, and before you know it, you think you're doing work, but you're actually filling out freebie PDFs. Yeah. <laughs> and that was how I was in the mindfulness journey. I was like getting opinions from every single guru that there was out there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so this person said I have to practice gratitude at 6.30 in the morning. And then this person said I need to eat, you know, this particular thing at 7.30. And then I need to visualize at whatever time it's like, but then that person said that subconscious reprogramming replaces meditation. So I'm like, so what the heck am I supposed to do? So my thing is find one person that resonates with your soul. And for me, that was Dr. Aaron, but it can be anybody, you know, find that one person because they're not going to contradict themselves. So especially if they're like her, she's been doing it for 25 years. So she knows, she knows it and she's living proof of it, but find somebody that is, you can just if you've got a question, you can just go to them and figure out and make sure, cause you'll know that the answer will be consistent. So you don't, that prevents overwhelm in the mindfulness journey, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It doesn't have to be overwhelming, but it does almost, mm-hmm. I can see the eyes roll back in people's heads when I say mindfulness. And if you have, yep. <laughs> okay she's gonna start speaking some spiritual woo woo and Mm -hmm. I just have no time for it and I think one of the best advice I ever got from my mom was she she has a daily mindfulness practice but it's not the conventional like yeah you have to get up at 6 30 and you have to meditate facing west where the sun is hitting you you know and hers is she sings because it keeps her grounded and she said I love the vibration of it and it keeps me grounded and she walks out in nature and I love that it's, it's so simple and it doesn't have to be this crazy schedule of something that's going to be so hard to implement in your life that it's just never even going to happen exactly and then especially throw some kids on top of it too it's like no way yeah. so, and and it takes the because I feel like this is something I talk with my clients quite a bit is when you give yourself an unrealistic to-do list and you don't cross it all off. And when mindfulness becomes a part of your to-do list and then you don't cross it all off, your self-worth dips for a moment. Mm -hmm. And then when you, when it dips, that momentum of self of negative self-worth compounds and then it becomes a part of your identity. And I said, so how do you prevent this? Do not put mindfulness on your to-do list. Just have it become as something that's part of who you are. As simple as breathing, that you just wake up and you, you do it. And you've threw it. And it's not a matter of 
in the morning you do it like it's throughout the day constantly reminding yourself of your truth and all that that's mindfulness but um I think the minute that we put like all right meditate visualize move my body did it cross it off now let me go on like that first of all if we don't do it our self-worth dips and also Mm -hmm. secondly it's missing the whole point of being present (laughs) yes you know yeah. I love that you said that because I am so much of a list maker and I oh, me too. love crossing things off my list. It brings me so much joy. And I, yeah. You know, when I was starting out my mindfulness journey, it was absolutely on my to-do list for the night. I was like, crap, I have to do the dishes and then I have to do this and then I have to meditate. And you know, you're oh, wow. completely right that when I didn't, I was like, crap, I suck. You know, uh-huh. like, uh-huh. I couldn't even do this one thing for myself (laughs) I was the same I write lists for my lists and I'm like I'm a planner junkie and I'm like my drives my husband nuts I have post-its everywhere I'm like all right lists for you go to this store then you go to list for that you know particular part of the little it's crazy so I'm a I had that's why we can speak on it because we're like we love our list you know (laughs) I'll do things and it wasn't on my list and I'll write it on my list oh me too feel accomplished yeah it feels so good (laughs) I am exactly the same oh my gosh that's too funny yeah and I'm like wow I didn't know I planned all that this morning it's like no because you wrote 10 extra things on it throughout the day (laughs) oh my gosh and then I get so I have anxiety when my to-do list doesn't when I keep adding things and then there's not enough lines left on the paper yes to start a new list (laughs) I know and then you'll write stuff down that was on the old list and cross it off like just to make sure okay I did do at least 40 percent of it yeah it's crazy and then as mothers like it turns into get the lunches ready and the Mm -hmm. all these things and I mean I I had a point in my life where I had four life to-do lists oh my goodness and that was another part of my turning point one was my family, my children. One was my business. One was my second business. And then the other was like personal, like stuff I had to catch up on. And I'm like, this is not sustainable. Oh my God. <laughs> this is the road to severe like burnout. And I think for me, one of the turning points as well was I had postpartum depression. I'm sure a lot of the women can relate to this. Postpartum depression had me in the ER with a suicide, you know, threat. And so that's a part of my life. I actually haven't talked about online that I'm beginning to speak about a little bit more, but that was a major turning point as well as when my son was, was one, because it kind of happened again after I had my second son the burnout started happening again wow and then that that was like if I'm gonna be put to this point my businesses need to go all this stuff and then I'm like no those are my passions I there are women out there I my coach calls them expanders there are women out there who show you that it's possible find out what they've done and so I feel like that's what we're sharing now is like you can have it all you can have you know even if you're not in business you can have the children and your personal mindfulness journey and the happy husband and all these things but you don't have to sacrifice one to have the other you know I think one of the biggest statements that almost fueled this entire movement was that 
I just kept getting the sense when I was pregnant that everyone kept saying, oh, when you have kids, your life is over. You're a threat oh, to no. them for the next 18 years. And I was like, wait a second. Uh, no. No. I reject <laughs> that right now. You're like, nope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just said, everyone is just so... I mean, they all, once you get pregnant and have kids, they all, everyone has an opinion about everything. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and oh, yeah. That was another thing. And I said, that that's not my truth. My, my life yeah. is just beginning. And mm-hmm. I think you're right. You can have it all. And yeah, to, I, I reject it. That's what I'm going with. Exactly. I reject that. And yeah, replace and rejoice. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't know anything different and it, you don't have the support system and you don't have the example, it is, I can imagine it can be hard to really see it that is. it is possible. That's the importance of mentors and, mm-hmm. and they don't even have to be people that you've paid to have in your life. Like a coach, they can be an example of somebody online that you look up to. Mm-hmm. You're like, they can do that. Yeah. What? Let me. You know, success leaves clues. My is something that my coach says. She's like, see what they do on a daily basis to make sure it all fits in. And like my my son is at the. I mean, he's almost four. I keep telling everyone he's three, but he's literally like a couple months away from being four. And I every time he asks me, you know, Mama, I need a snack. I'm like, the cupboard's right there. You can walk. You're fine. Mm-hmm. And I am not you know, if he falls and scrapes his knee, I'm not going to expect him to clean it and put a bandaid on it. But it's like, there are certain things that he's doing now in life that I'm like, no, I'm not your, your servant. Mm -hmm. And it's teaching him independence. It's teaching him what the role of women actually is. And also, um, to not expect when you hit a certain age, you know, there are responsibilities and women are not there to, you know, stand and be a little waitress for you all day. And I think that was just something that I'm trying to teach. I'm really on a mission to teach him the truth about that. And also, you know, balance it with, you know, taking care of him obviously when he needs it, but, but not, not enabling laziness mm-hmm. and not, um, yeah, just not being an enabler really for him. I love that. Yeah. So going back to talking about social media, one of the things I love about you is that you're not only showing up for yourself and your family, but you're on social media every single day, just preaching oh, empowerment. And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, girl. So uh, let's talk about your businesses because I know you already mentioned that you've really kind of infused mindfulness into their mission. So can just tell me everything about them. Okay. Wonder. Yes. This is okay. This is yes. (laughs) Um, well, I have two businesses, as I've said a couple of times. Um, I have, oh, I'm a certified herbalist and I have a skincare and body care business that I've had for almost four years now. And that began with the old, like ho-hum brand message of, you know, self-care and, you know, the bath bombs and all the things. Mm-hmm. And that was a little bit weak for me. And I deep down intuitively, I'm an empath. So I was like, I knew I'm like, this needs to be deeper, but I'm like, I don't know what it is. So I'm just going to kind of roll with it. And I got, you know, a bunch of orders from that and everything. And then I was like, 
there is a huge brand message that actually blossomed out of my own mindfulness journey. So what the the brand message is of now is when you practice mindfulness, it facilitates a channel to receive your desires because it is boosting your self-worth. It is um, sending out the signal to the universe that you are ready and open to receive because you are practicing you are knowing your truth of who you are. And so these products help, and I formulated them all particularly for this. These products help facilitate and be the catalyst really for mindfulness. Mm -hmm. For example, I have a, an essential oil roller that I call the peace elixir and it is formulated for anxiety. And it has helped so many women, they're speakers on stages, you know, to teachers, you know, any sort of, um, capacity it's helped people really, really overcome their anxiety, but on a, of course it's aromatherapy, but it's actually more the, the fact that they are taking a moment for themselves to mm -hmm. inhale <laughs> the yeah. oils and take that, that breath for themselves. And they're putting that signal out to the universe that I am worthy of taking a moment for myself. So that's really what the, the message is behind, um, that business. It's called Elixir Apothecary and it, it is my baby business. I love, mm -hmm. I love that business. And, um, I got my herbalist certification about two years ago. So very, very, I love that. And, um, and then my second business is a coaching business because I realized that my vision was even bigger than the just making the products as, as impactful as that is, I wanted to expand and impact more. And of course, there was a lot of resistance around this, um, you know, particularly with my family because they're like, well, you, you can't start another business. You've got two kids. Like, who does that? Like, apparently me, <laughs> I guess that's how it's going to go. But my second business is a coaching business and it is a business called Holo Wholeness. And it is all about helping female entrepreneurs run passion driven businesses that are extremely soul fulfilling. Oh, I love that. And yeah, thank you. It's like, ugh, it is the most, it's fulfilling for me. And like, mm -hmm. <laughs> to do this. So I think when when I started that, I, that's when the purpose and passion really became prevalent in my life because I teach a lot. My signature coaching method is pretty much revolves around mindfulness to discover who your whole self is. You know, how can you use your passions as the root of your business? How can you show up as your authentic self in the best possible energy for your audience? Like all these things I teach, but it all has to do, it's all rooted in mindfulness. Number one, that's the very first thing we go over and it continues throughout our, when I coach people. So it's, it's a very impactful and powerful message and very, it's growing. And then the, they're intertwined, you know, that mindfulness is pretty much the, the root for both businesses. So, I love yeah, that. that's so exciting. So you empower every women every single day. So how has it had an effect on your own empowerment? 
Oh, wow. That's such a good question. (laughs) I think kind of what I was mentioning before about when you figure out your purpose and at this point, things always evolve. I think people get scared to figure out their purpose because mm-hmm. they think it's like written in stone. That's it. That's all you can do. And it, it can evolve. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what, what it's done is it, it's helped me figure out my purpose so that I can inspire others to do the same. And in that, it has, I mean, it's one of the most empowering things when somebody asks you, what do you do? And they go, Whoa, that's you know, and we don't do things for people's recognition, but it's very empowering to know that you have the the skill set through your experience, not through textbook education and all this stuff. I mean, I have my coaching certification just because if anybody asks, I'm like, yes, you know, here you go. But honestly, nobody has hired me based off my coaching certification. <laughs> they've hired me because they've seen me on a video or they have, you know, what whatever capacity. And they're like, I like her energy. Let's do this. But it, I just have them in place for whatever. But I think the, um, the empowering thing is definitely rooted in knowing your purpose and then helping others do the same. And I think one of the highest things we can ever do is help others reach their fullest potential in any capacity mm-hmm. we can be teaching others about health relationships but figure out what your purpose is and that will empower you to help others live their highest potential yeah i love that you say it doesn't have to be one thing because i feel like that's another block to just yeah. especially our age group because in the in the age of the internet you you really can be anything you want to be and it's still been you know the traditional you have to go to school and you have to major in this one thing and then when you graduate you have to get a job in that one thing and if you didn't all those student loans in those years of your life are all for nothing and I think yeah the the conversation and the idea of that and the acceptance of that is really changing but I think there's definitely still the majority out there thinks that their life has to be a certain way because so-and-so told them so. Oh, definitely. And that's one of the very first questions that I ever, ever got asked. And that was one of the major things for my mindfulness journey was how has, is your life a product of somebody else's beliefs about you? And they're like, I was like, well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I choose how I want to live. And then I was like, no, I'm pretty limited because that person thinks that, you know, they've said this thing about me online or they, in my personal life, like my father-in-law and all these, you know, these people that just don't get it. And I'm like, wow, like I actually have taken on P and I talked about this in a video last night and with one of my clients as well. I was like, how has people's beliefs and negative words about you or about society or about themselves shaped your identity. Yeah. And then of course our identity is what is rooted in our beliefs. And then that is what manifests. Mm -hmm. So we're like, we have to be so protective over what we accept 
that will shape our identity. Absolutely. And um, honestly, there is a statistic that mindfulness, spiritual people who are truly living their truth around mindfulness, it we're the one percent. Yeah. And so there is no lack of. Um, work that needs to be done around this topic. <laughs> um, you know, we have a long way to go, and that's why we meet so much backlash at yeah. this point in our generation because it's like, wow, we are the one percent. So, yeah, and I think, yeah. don't get me wrong, it is the most invigorating thing to be living your truth, but it is also extremely terrifying. Yes. <laughs> One yep. percent. There is not a lot of padding, you know. There's nope. not, <laughs> we're going up on the top of a mountain, you know, just uh-huh. there, out there. But the, I think that's also the beauty in it that you're just allowing yourself to be vulnerable, and that's where the magic happens. It's so true, and and you have to find your people quick because you're like when you find them, hold on to them for dear life. You're like we're friends forever because I am not. Like I need a community and that, oh yeah, <laughs> you find your people in your life. <laughs> yes. Hold on for dear yeah. life. Tell me I'm not crazy. <laughs> okay, so I want, this has been an amazing conversation and we have to have oh, okay. several more. So, Oh yes. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I want to end this on two, two different notes. So the first, number okay. one what just one thing what advice would you give for any busy mothers out there who like you they're on the verge of burnout but they want to they want to make a change and mindfulness is it of course and how do you start making that change moving towards this more mindful practice and implementing it into your everyday life one piece of advice okay um I think it's definitely to get over the idea that taking time for yourself is taking time away from your children and to just do it because you will be a better mother, a better wife, a better individual. (laughs) Um, yes, exactly. You will be just, just find a way to get over the belief that it's taking time away from your children if, and the mom guilt that comes with taking time away for yourself, whatever that looks like a bath, a, a time to go get your nails done, whatever that looks like so that you can then go for the walk and then practice the mindfulness and do the meditation and all that stuff. What does that look like? And it's not taking time away from your children. When you do that, it's actually helping them first of all, be a really good example for them. And also, um, it helps you be more present with them. Perfect. Okay. And last but not least, I like to end this podcast on a pick me up and some words of encouragement for anyone out there who just needs that little push of joy today. So what are your words of encouragement to end this off on? Oh my goodness. I think no matter what stage you're at in motherhood, and especially as a mindful mother, the, the word of encouragement I would have is, I explained it the other day like this. If you've ever had to walk in weather that's really foggy and you can't really see or drive or whatever, and you can't really see like a hundred miles ahead or even one mile ahead, but you know that it's somehow there. But the only thing you can do is just take that next step. 
the thing that gets us stuck is worrying about whether or not the next mile actually is there or if we're ever going to get there. So, and it'll paralyze you from taking the next step that's going to get you there. Mm -hmm. So imagine life as this, we're walking kind of in this unknown space, but the only thing we can do is take that next step and take it in, in, in the most empowered, firm way that we can. And then we take the next one and the next one shows up. But as long as we trust that it's going to be there, it will be there. And the more that we worry about whether or not it's there or whether or not we can get there, it paralyzes you from actually taking the next step. So whether it's motherhood, whether it's business, whether it's your mindfulness journey, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your job, whatever you are going through, just taking that step in faith, that next step in faith and saying, universe, open me up to aligned action and just take the step, then the next step will be shown to you. I 111% promise <laughs> that. That's what I always say. I'm like angel numbers all day. But like, I truly, I truly believe I like that it will open up for you. I was going to say that's a very divine percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, it's done on purpose. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, um, I believe that that next step will be shown if you just have the faith to take the actual next step without worrying about the rest of it all. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. This has been a very enlightening conversation and also very inspiring. And I was telling Michelle before we started that she is just the quintessential woman of when I imagined being able to empower oh. others through this platform you are. So thank you so much. So happy to be here. Thank you Lena, so much. This has been, I'm so pumped. Like, I'm like, I want to go tell everybody. I'm so excited. Okay, well, <laughs> yes. Here's to the first episode and there will be yes. more where this came from oh definitely and i'll be back if you need me of course course. (laughs) wonderful thank you for listening to enlightened hood a movement that empowers mindful motherhood and sees the beauty in every woman's why if you would like to be part of our community find us on instagram at enlightened hood And subscribe to this podcast where we put out new episodes every Monday and Wednesday.